cream? There's a lot more to come. What's <laughs> the whipped cream? We haven't gotten to heaven yet. I know. We haven't gotten to heaven yet. Right. <laughs> I love it. All right, well, um, we're going to get started this morning. Um, I'll just open up in prayer and then we'll begin. Dear Lord, um, thank you for this day, um, just for Sunday as maybe just a morning of rest for us um, as we, Lord, help us to consider that a privilege uh, every week that we have uh, instead of a duty or another thing on our schedule, Lord, make it really a time of rest and relaxation for us who most of us help this to be a time of rest. As we look this morning at fallen angels, Lord, just um, keep in our minds the fact that you have won this battle already. There, There's a war going on around us, um, but there is no illusion about who the victor is. So, as we look at these beings with power and have the capability to lives um, and who are bent on destroying humanity. We know that you have won and that you act us and that you are the one who's working all of this out for your own glory and ultimately resulting in our good. That truth, pray that you will illuminate our discussion of these things, just apply that to our hearts. So we're towards the tail end of this discussion of the spiritual realm um, and kind of looking beyond what we can see today um, and looking into a, a world that we don't often consider or, or think about. And hopefully, um, at, at least this study, I know for me, has brought things to my own mind that I don't, I, I don't usually think about, um, just don't even consider throughout the, the day, most days. Um, so... It, it's been helpful for me to just look at all these things and to understand that we are sort of caught in between two realms that are what well, one of them does affect the way we live even though we don't we don't see this spiritual realm all the time so last week we talked about um, Satan and his role um, what he was um, his mission right now his army, and, and we, we ended on his, his defeat. And that's really what I think we need to frame this study in as well, is just going back to that vision that John sees in Revelation 20, um, very end of the chapter, right before heaven and earth are recreated, John sees death and Satan and false prophet and all of sin, all evil, cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Um, and that's, that's really the framework that we, we need to look at this in, is that and we're going to talk about demons' powers and their, their missions and what, what they're capable of doing. And really, it, it is all in that context of the fact that they have been defeated and they really have no power outside what Christ allows. And so, um, the, the first, the, the way we're going to begin talking about them is there's, there's two groups of angels, and this is kind of coming off of when we talked in the, when we talked in the spiritual realm section about the abyss as a prison currently 
for demons. And so there are fallen angels who are free and active in this world. Um, that's I mean, everywhere throughout, uh, especially the gospel narratives. It's all over the place there. Jesus has encounters with demons all the time. Um, and then there are also demons who are bound and confined in prison. So, like we saw when we talked about the abyss, this is a temporary confinement. Um, it's called Tartaros, or the abyss. So, just looking at this really fast, um, from Luke eight thirty-one. Um, this story is when Jesus confronts the man um, who is possessed by this legion of demons. And when, when he comes to them, um, in Luke eight thirty-one, it says, And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. So this is this, is this prison right now that is set apart for the confinement of who, who have um, done tremendous evil. And that's, that's something that we talked about in, in that section. Um, it's also in Revelation 9. So, just looking at the first couple verses of Revelation 9, it says, And I saw the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. So this, this bottomless pit is the, the same thing as the abyss. It's an idea of this prison where demons have been confined. Um, and then also, if someone could read Second Peter 2, 4... Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. And this is um, this is talking about um, just in the context of the ancient world and Noah, these demons that are are currently confined in it says chains of gloomy darkness. Um, and th- this is again this idea of the abyss and the the bottomless pit. And where this is pertinent to our discussion. Um, is just the fact that, that there are demons currently who are bound. They are in, in prison, and w- what that shows us is that they don't have power over Christ. They have no power over God. They can be confined at any time. When, when Jesus appears before these demons, they, they beg not to be thrown into the abyss because they know that they can be if he just so much as says it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, right, there, the, the idea is that it's set now, and that all who are going to fall have fallen, and that those who are in heaven now will not fall. The, the numbers are set. Um, and so, so they are, they're not free, they don't have free reign and power over Christ, even though there are some who are active in this world. Um, so, a- as we go on and look at their, their characteristics, um, a lot of this overlaps with what, what we've discussed before with both 
the angelic beings because they do have characteristics of holy angels because they were once holy angels. And also with our discussion of Satan and what, what he's doing, it's kind of a, a mix between both of them. And even Satan is in this category of fallen angels. So they are spirit beings without fleshly bodies. Um, that's the same thing we looked at with angels. That's in Matthew 8, verse 16. So here they're called spirits. Um, and I mean, the, the idea is that if... It, it, even if you, if you think about it in terms of them being able to possess and to oppress people, they have to be spiritual beings. They can't be physical, material beings because otherwise that's people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the ESV has oppressed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, without, without doing any background study into the actual word, um, yeah, it, it seems pretty clear from the passage that they're they're being cast out of people. So it's not just if it's it's not just oppression in the terms that we think of it as being in contrast to possession. I mean, it is they are being oppressed, but don't don't think of that in terms of being you're either possessed or oppressed. It, it they're probably just trying to get at. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's that is an interesting. It's interesting that they translate that differently. Right, and the ESV does it that way. Yeah, right. Well, I do, but I'm not going to get it out. <laughs> um, so, so here they're they're spirit beings without fleshly bodies, like angels. We talked about um, it. Part part of this spiritual realm that um, is different than our physical realm, um, but has many characteristics as well. At, and want to help me out with this, but at, at the believers who die right now um, don't have their, their bodies, so they are some sort of spiritual being of themselves. Um, and that's that's an interesting, like, even when we were talking about the spiritual realm, what's interesting is it's always, they always talk about it in terms of physical things, like they're, they're wearing robes, but it's, it's also always different than our physical realm in the sense that it's not tangible, but it also is tangible. And so, th- th- I mean, thinking about something like that is hard because we have no framework to think of things in terms of anything else than material things that we can touch. So, I mean, it's like trying to think of a world without time or something where we just have no... What would that look like? Um, so, going along as well with our discussion of um, Satan is that demons are localized and they're not omnipresent. Um, I think a lot of times we think of demons in terms of some sort of dualistic type thing, like they, they can be everywhere, they know everything, just like God's everywhere and God knows everything. We, we think of demons and Satan just like a, an evil God, basically. Um, 
that is not at all the picture scripture gives us of them. Um, here in the, in the Matthew 8 passage, um, in 28 through 34, um, this, is, this is the same story of the, the man who's possessed by legion, um, just in Matthew. It says, And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gerardines, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of the pigs, into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. So, what, what, we, what we learn here about demons is that it's, it's not like they are just everywhere. They're localized in the man, and then they're sent into the pigs. They, they have to be in a place, because they're, they're not omnipresent like God is. So, also, if someone would read Acts 16.16. 16. Thank you. And so, th- I mean, this also, we could go to every passage about demon possession in the whole Testament to emphasize this fact, is that they're, they're in places. They're not, and the, the reason we have this omnipresent view of them is probably because there's a lot of them. Um, but they, there are, they are not omnipresent beings. They're not an omnipresent force. They're in, in, the, in these cases, people and pigs um, or just kind of floating around um, in, in locations in their spiritual realm. But they're not omnipresent. Um, um, no. They, they're, because when, when you think of Christians being oppressed, for example, right? They're they're not in possession of someone or something, but like in the in the story with the pigs, probably um, why they asked to be cast into the pigs is just to um, further their their mission of destruction. I mean, the the point what they're trying to do is destroy the the humanity, the community that people have there, everything. And so it's like any way they can take a stab at that is is fine for them. And so that that's probably what's going on with right. that. Set, right. It was the, okay. Exactly. So that's that's the spirit of divination is the 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 ability to be able to fortune tell is here. Um so they're also intelligent but they're not omniscient, and this is going um, in, the, in the same way as the first point, that, that they are, they're not like God. They're, they're intelligent, they're smart, but they're, they're less than God. Um, they're, they're aware of Jesus' identity, um, even in the very beginning of Mark, um, where Jesus is coming up to uh, a demon-possessed man, and in Mark one twenty four. 
It says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so, <laughs> it's, it's funny if you can imagine being this in Mark's Gospel. This is one of the first things that happens. If you can imagine being one of the disciples who just started following this guy. And then he, he, he walks up to a demon-possessed man and he, he calls him the Holy One of God. That, that would be a, a very strange experience. Um, but even though the, the disciples at this point don't know who Jesus is, demons are very aware of Jesus' identity. Um, they, they know who he is. They call him the Holy One of God um, here in the... They understand his power in, in the, the story that we've looked at. Um, they know that he's capable of sending them to the abyss. They know who he is. Um, yeah. You know, this demon. I don't know. It seems like Mark has that, that. Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, has that, that perspective where it's like, and it just so happened that a demon came right to. <laughs> so, yeah, Mark. Mark understands. Um, what's going on in the spiritual realm. So, in, in Matthew 8, um, 29, um, this is the, the same story we've looked at. So much there. <laughs> um, in, in verse 29, they, it says, And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And that, that before the time's important because they recognize that there is a time. It's, have you come to torment us before the time when you're going to torment us? And so they, they know that there is a time, and they also know that the time's not at that point in time, or, or they're, they're assuming that it's not at that point in time at least. So they are acutely aware of their ultimate destiny. Um, they, they have no illusions about what's going to happen. They have no illusions about who's in control, who Christ is. They, they know all this stuff. And for them, it's just a matter of time. Um, so, right, exactly. And they, they don't even want it. That's, I mean, that's the idea. It's not as if they're trying to repent and God's saying no. You you fallen. That's it. They they don't even want it. They're they're completely and totally opposed to God, even though they they've seen Him in all His glory, and that's. I mean, I think that's an interesting point when we think about people who talk about, you know, well, won't people get a second chance when they see God and under be like, whoa, now now I see you. Now I now I know because I've seen you, and to think about the demons who have seen God and still oppose him um, makes me think that people who oppose God oppose God no matter if they've actually seen him or not. They're, they're opposed to God. Um, they hate him just like the demons do. So, I mean, with, with these, with all the, the second chances, there's it, it almost becomes a non-issue because it's not something that's even asked for. They don't want a second chance. They've made their decision. They know the consequences, and they go with it because they hate God. Um, so, this, I mean, this this point of them being aware of their ultimate destiny 
is is one of the most important things when we think about them because especially when we see demons in our in our culture just through through movies or whatever is probably the the place where we we most even think about them when we see like peace um is that they're aware of their own destiny and is as scary and as powerful as they are um if they know if they're aware of their destruction their final destruction we better be too we better be just as aware as they right. Yeah. I really know what I, talking about right that's, now. That's, I mean, Satan, uh, out of anybody, knows the the spiritual reality probably demands it far greater than we do because he has he has seen it. He knows all these things. It's not like he's walking around like, no, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. There's not really a God. Like, come, don't don't we have science or something to prove that there's not a God? He he knows. He's not. They're they're not kidding. They're they're opposed to God, and I think that re- really the difference there is your disposition towards that is whether you recognize that there's a God, you you know what happened on the cross, and you love it, and you open your faith and your your whole being into that, or you oppose it, and there's really no middle ground. <laughs> and right. Right. I definitely think that the Holy Spirit still can convict them because, well, well, first of all, if if we think that just because their pride being vocalized in that way is any different than what our pride was, even even though we didn't say, oh, I know all of this is true and I still oppose God, we're still the, the root of pride. We think that we should be on top, that it should be our rules. And so, even, even though you hear like a, an almost sickening articulation of that pride it's no different really than what was in all of us and what is what still creeps out of all of us is i mean that's really just sin nature and may, maybe that person is almost farther along the step steps of salvation than somebody who is just completely ignorant of their own pride because at least i mean so I mean, I definitely think the Holy Spirit still can work and move in them, um, and that that really depends on His will and not on us. But I, I definitely think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. So that that in itself may even be a, a step in the in that process of conviction. I think of His mom. And I mean, you can even think of your discussion with him as an act of the Holy Spirit working to convict him as he's in you. So there there definitely still is always hope. Um, But the hard part with that is that it isn't up to us ever. And so putting that in God's hands is often difficult when we think, oh, man, this person's way too far gone. I can't argue with them enough to... that's that's where we start to go when we think that it's the fact that we're arguing with them that's what ultimately has the the and, right and that's and that 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 goes along with the idea that if it's not God who's moving and working in it, I mean that's we can't argue till we're blue in the face and nothing's going to happen unless God is the one. Lots of things until we're blue exactly. <laughs> right. It could take till he's 65. It could take till about to die. And that's 
we we don't know the plan of God, um, but we put our faith and confidence in the fact that there is a plan of God, whether or not we know it. Um, and it, if he is elect, nothing's going to stop him from. But anyway, um, <laughs> just um, obviously, right. I think there there are definitely people give you examples even in our American culture of people who are demon possessed. Um, and certainly demon oppression happens. Um, some people take it too far, I think, where everything's a demon. Like, if your car doesn't start in the morning, you need to go pray the demons out of your car. Um, and so, I, that's... Right, I guess you do never know. But... <laughs> um, the... The idea there is it, it certainly could be demon or oppression. If if he is a a Christian, the the promise that we have, um, the idea there is that we're already possessed. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no room for demon of God. And so to and and it could be it, it could be any number of things, but I, I definitely think it could be right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go off on that. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we have to take care yeah. of our own selves. Yeah, and it, it absolutely, um, and I, I think just as, as kind of a, I, before we go to the next, that, I mean, when you, when you think about those, those cultures where demon possession is a lot more prevalent, they are ver- very animistic, very spiritually aware cultures. They, they don't, there, there's no like atheism. It doesn't believe in God or gods. And here in our culture, we walk around so often, not even thinking about the spiritual realm. All, all that seeing demon possession right out in front of us is going to do is make us aware that there is a spiritual realm, and that's really the last thing that Satan wants. So then, this, this is all part of their. The fact that they have this plan, um, they're intelligently working out how to destroy as many human lives and souls as they can. Um, and so, here, um, in First Timothy 4, um, Paul's addressing Timothy, and he, he writes to him in 4.1, it says... Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. So, just, just from this little snippet in this passage, we, we learn that demons have teachings. They're, they're working towards an end. And even Satan, you can see from the very beginning, he's, he's teaching. He's doing... God really say, like, listen to what I'm telling you now. I'm going to teach you the real way to do things. So, I mean, part of part of the way that looks in our culture has has a lot to do with there's there's no there's we've just got this. I mean, come on, isn't physics good enough for you guys? That that kind of that that teaching is probably very much a part of the the way they're working in this culture to really destroy us. Um, and so, then, going on with this theme, is that they're powerful, but they're not omnipotent. Um, continuing with their contrast to God, which is, I mean, great news for us. Um, um, so, they, they possess the man of the Gerizines, um, 
So going back to Mark, I mean, this is in it. Going to Mark 5, um, 3 through 4, it says, describing this possessed man of who, who lives in the tomb in, in the Gerizines, it says, He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Those, I think those are kind of an example of these little parts in Scripture that we pass over a lot of times, but say something super significant. Like, you think about metal chains and, like, bike locks. This guy, they're, they're binding him with chains, and he just breaks them. It says no one can contain him, not any number of people can contain him, and so they just let him live in the tombs because they can't do anything else. And so these demons that have possessed him are so strong, just in him they're physically strong, that he nothing can contain him. Um, so the demon and the boy um, over in Mark 9, and would somebody read 22? So they're describing what the demons do to these to the boy. Um, and he doesn't have the the strength to stop what they're doing because they are they're strong, um, they're powerful, um, and the, the possession impairs a boy's speech um, in Matthew Matthew nine twenty three says says and when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and a crowd making a commotion <laughs> this is the wrong verse. Um, it's, uh, I think it's down in 33, maybe? Um, yeah, it's, it's 932, um, through 33. It says, As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought out to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. And so here... The second the demon's gone, um, the, this person can speak again. So they, the demon had been able to impair his ability to speak. Um, they kept a girl in slavery, which is in Matthew 15, um, 22. Um, can somebody read that? So the, the idea is that she's oppressed and that she's contained, she's bound by these demons, she's kept in slavery. Um, but they, their power is limited. Um, they're limited in power and that they can't do the work of God. Um, John 10, 21, it, it, go, going up to 10, 20, um, this is after, after Jesus is talking, um, it says, many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And the, the people here understand that there, there are things that demons can't do. Um, in this case, they can't do the work of God. And even thinking about what we've talked about previously, the fact that they're bound, that they have an eternal destiny, that they understand is judgment. Um, is 
is just a crystal clear example of the fact that they don't have the ultimate power. They don't have the ultimate control. They know what's going to happen. They can't do anything outside of the bounds of what God is going to allow. Um, so, right. possession, I mean, most all of these that we've read are examples of possession, where the, the demons... Um, they're in control. And it's not, it's probably not all the time. It's not like for, for the, the boy who, who is being cast down and they try to throw him into the fire. They're not always trying to do that. So it's not as, as if they're at every moment completely being controlled by a demon. But the idea is that the demon does take over and, and do their, they're possessed by the demon. So when we, would they do that, like, as possessed by the demons? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's different in every context. Like, uh, I mean, obviously the, the little boy is not going around stealing or killing. And, I mean, going back to the why do people get possessed, it's probably should also probably be pretty obvious that he wasn't doing that before to get the demons into them. It's not like he was engaged in some horribly wicked acts that allowed the demons to come into him. Um, so there's, there's definitely different degrees that, that we've seen even in these examples of what demons do to people. Um, in the, the man who's possessed by the demon in the one case, I mean, the, the main thing is that it's made him mute. But then you look at the example of the man in the Gerizines, I mean, he's just completely insane, and nobody can pain him. And so for for the one man it there there's less of it's to less of a degree definitely than to the other, but they're still both possessed. And definitely. And I mean all of these are very public things. All the people know what's going on. It's not the 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 goal in especially in this culture is to I, I think it's to display their power in contrast with God's power. Like, yeah, we can take you, we have this power. Um, but yeah, it's not always to the same degree. Um, so, <laughs> some of it may be, um, I think we're perfectly capable of doing all of those things ourselves without being possessed by demons just because of the extent to which our nature goes towards sin. Um, and if you just sit and dwell on that and think on that enough, I mean, so easily turn to horrible kinds of evil um, as it consumes you. So I mean, whether or not those are demon possession or just them, <coughs> just, just them, their, their own sin nature consuming them and them doing it themselves, the, the end cause really is the same, which is sin. Um, so I, I don't think it needs to be necessarily a spiritual, um, well, it is a spiritual thing, but demon possession for, for that to occur. Right. Not to say right. that it has mm-hmm. because not that it can't happen. Right. We talked about that a little yeah. bit. That We'd rather thing. watch HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what a, what a, we're not thinking about the spiritual <laughs> realm, unless it's medium on. Yeah. <laughs> it's more subtle in our... So it's not, it may not be as explicit as it was to them, but it's still nonetheless very, 
I mean, it's made it our whole culture is consumed by, it's just a, a different way of them working, practic, and which goes back to the whole war metaphors that really, um, they're, they're a war, we're in a war, and they'd use different tactics. You're not going to fight the same way on a flat plane as you are if your enemy's on a hill. You're going to do different things. And so, I mean, our culture is different than first century Judaism. So they, they work differently through it. And if we, and I, I think it's very important to talk about the way that they're working through our culture now, because if we're not aware of that, we're completely ineffective. If we're just thinking that, the only way demons act is through possession. I mean, we're going to be looking for people crawling around on the walls, and we're not going to realize that <laughs> we're wasting our whole lives watching TV, and that that is the way that demons are, are working through our culture. Yeah. And the, I, I'm sure that demons are happy for people to believe anything that isn't Jesus Christ. And even if you can throw his name in there, that's better. Like, sure, sign everybody up to be Mormons. Who cares? Like, as long as it's not the true God who he's revealed himself to be, um, that's part of what they're working towards and exactly what we need to be working against in in this world. Um, so, yeah, prayer, and then... Father, we just... Uh...